No. What's your least favorite scary movie? You want to be on top? Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. We fight over our favorites. My name's Jesse. <laughs> My name is Travis. I just want to go. I had to visibly like put my hand up so I didn't look at his face while I was doing that. That introduction was his suggestion, by the way. He hasn't even been binging uh, the cycles with me lately. It was just, just I, his idea. It's like a secondhand binge. Yeah, I guess. And I fill you in on all the drama yeah. from 10 years ago. I know all about it. <laughs> uh, shout out to Pod Leadum while we're here. I love that podcast. They're very funny. Not in any way related to our podcast. But if you like horror movies and you also like America's Next Top Model, go give them a listen as well. Very loose connection to this one, at least. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. All right. So actually, uh, before we get started talking about The Neon Demon, our movie for this week, I've got a couple of quick announcements I want us to get through. First is that we have done a couple of guest recordings and those episodes are live now. Uh, One of them is with Haunted MTL's Throwdown. We talked about Madman, a super fun, super silly Great romp of a 1980s teenage campground slasher with uh, Jam, Brannock, and Evie. It was a really good time, so go give that a listen at Haunted MTL's Throwdown. Go ahead and listen to all their episodes. They're all really good. I personally really liked the Reanimator and Boogeyman episodes. Both good movies. Yeah, both good movies, and both our hosts are very, very knowledgeable about horror movies and pop culture in general, and the whole Haunted MTL... uh, conglomerate family yeah i don't know what the they're all really cool people yeah they're all really cool people so go check out all of their horror media we also recorded with our pals from seventh circle of film you might remember them from our i know what you did last summer episode we did a guest spot on their show talking about all three of the joyride films and that episode is up and posted now so go ahead and give that a listen It's a bit lengthy, so if you need to break it down into little bite-sized nuggets, that's fine. We also just recorded with them about the Ginger Snaps movies yesterday, so no clue when that's going to be posted, but keep an eye out for that coming. They've got uh, several other episodes you can listen to in the meantime. Second announcement. As of this recording, we are very, very close to our 500 follower mark on Instagram, and as we mentioned before, we want to do a giveaway when we hit that magic number. I don't know if we will hit it before we post this episode or not, Uh, Either way, check out our social media. We'll have a post about how you can enter that giveaway. And if you happen to have missed it by the time you're listening to this, don't worry. We're going to do another one at 1,000 followers, which is just incentive for you to uh, tell your friends, uh, tell your family, tell your cousin that's probably too young for our content, but you want to be the cool older cousin who, you know, kind of gets them into adult things. And you're like, don't tell your aunt because I know she goes to to church every Sunday and she's going to make me talk to Pastor Bill again if he finds out I'm making you watch horror movies, Um, you know, tell that cousin, just tell everybody, get them to follow us on social media, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you can rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out, gets other people listening. We appreciate all the support that we've been getting, and we're happy to keep bringing new things. Uh, Speaking of bringing new things, that brings me to our third and final announcement this week, which is we will be recording our Nightmare on Elm Street episode this week. 
Not sure exactly when we'll get it posted, but it'll be very, very soon. And that will be on Patreon. It will be a very low level tier to be able to listen to that. Yeah, like $1. Yeah. Uh, so just keep an eye on our social media. We'll let everybody know when that's good to go. So that's going to be starting to happen. Hopefully within the next month or so, we're going to be able to have a couple of additional things we can have for additional tiers if you guys like our content. Yeah. So getting into our movie for this week, we are talking about 2016's The Neon Demon, written and directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Refn? Refn? Also co-written by Mary Laws and Polly Stenham. Uh, music by Cliff Martinez. And I got I got a shout out the director of cinematography, Natasha Brayer. She did a fantastic job. You can't talk about this movie without talking about how fucking beautiful it is. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is nice to look at, but, you know, that's about all it has going for it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Our cast, we've got Ellie Fanning starring as Jessie, the 16-year-old model from Georgia. We have Christina Hendrick, Christy Hens, playing Jessie's agent, Roberta Hoffman. We have Keanu Reeves as Hank, the shitty, I was going to say CD. Um, shitty just came accurate. out. Yeah. Uh, motel manager. We've got Jenna Malone playing Ruby, Bella Heathcote as Gigi, and Abby Lee as Sarah. This movie was made with a $7 million budget and only grossed $3.4 million in the box office. However, it had really positive critical reception for the most part. It was it had 39 award nominations and 19 wins, including two Fingoria Chainsaw Awards. Yeah, I think this is one of those instances where it's a streaming service just getting it kind of out there. That way it can qualify because you can't qualify for awards unless you put it out in theaters. This is an Amazon movie. Yes, it it was um, when it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival, it received uh, both standing ovations and boos, much like Reefen's first Cannes Film Festival premiere of Only God Forgives. So he's uh, apparently just a generally divisive kind of guy. Okay. Many of the positive reviews included style, obviously, his willingness to experiment, pushing boundaries, and just calling the movie more of an experience rather than something you're going to think about necessarily in terms of plot. But some of the negative reviews included accusations of him being a little bit derivative in his style and saying that... Parts of the film were insubstantial and kind of flat. I can agree with those. I can agree with some of the good things to say too, but you know, I'm taking the stance of not liking this movie. Yeah, I know. You weren't exactly thrilled when I said I wanted to cover it. It's better than I remembered. It's not a bad movie, but man, it is definitely style over substance. It's a movie you have to watch twice. I really enjoyed it the first time we watched it, but I was so distracted by the style of it that I wasn't following along with the plot very well, and this time I feel like I was able to follow along with the plot a lot The plot better. is barely there. I mean, it's just kind of excuses for visual set pieces, basically. Mm, There's we'll some it. there, but... We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about it right now. 
Well, I think you'll find it interesting to know, since you're saying that there's no plot, is that this movie was actually shot in chronological order. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's always cool when people do that. Yeah, I, I kind of really liked it, and I think it said a lot more for uh, Jesse's transformation throughout the film. I think it was nice that it, it really did start off with that sense of naivete and then her like becoming um, her, her final form. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the ending was kind of very loosely defined and mostly improvised on set. Um, I can see that. I think it's a fact that the ending of the movie always stands out to me, so. Mm. Well, well, yeah, I, I, I'm ready to talk about the ending because, you know, there's plenty of stuff to talk about there, but I'm ready to talk about the whole thing in general. Well, I've got a few more fun facts that I want to go over. Okay, what you got? Reefin consulted Ellie Fanning for dialogue, dialogue revision specifically, because he wanted to make it seem more realistic from, like, a female perspective. That's cool. Abby Lee, the actress who played Sarah models as well, well I, I could so, tell that they were models yeah so he got a lot of like she was kind of an unofficial consultant for the film about what casting calls would look like how models would interact with one another things like that okay and uh at the end we've got the the card that says for live that is his wife and apparently this is the only film of his that she actually really likes if the internet is to be believed is it because of the for live like <laughs> It's like, okay, I'll give you this one. I don't know. That's that's all the internet game. I'm curious to know what this, like, what the other films that this guy has made are like. Uh, the only other one that you might recognize is Drive. Sorry. Oh, you did Drive? Yeah. Oh, I really like Drive. Well, there you go. Now that you mention it, there's a lot of similarities, <laughs> but Drive definitely is way more interesting. Like, it has a lot going on. And one more fun fact. Dude, we're watching Drive sometimes. Oh soon. my god. <laughs> You'll like it. Reefin. I'm so sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, he's colorblind. That really surprised me. For a film that relies so much on the color and does such a good job visibly. visibly visually? Visually. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, it, it's really kind of a testament. Does a really good job, Wookie. I hate you. Oh my god. <laughs> It does. I mean, it, it. I love colorful movies, and this one is like about as colorful as it gets. Dude, other if, than Suspiria. If you see me on our socials recreating some of the makeup looks, mind your own business. I'm actually excited. Actually, to no, see. don't mind your own business. Give us lots of updates so that way we yeah. <laughs> we trick the social media algorithms into making us popular. Up. Yeah, do 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 do. I'd like to see what you do with something like this. So, I think it's going to be fun. All right. All right. Uh, I think we know which way our ratings are going to go, but go ahead and give me a number, baby. Uh, I'll give it a five, middle of the road. Wow, that is a lot better than I was expecting from you. It's not a terrible movie, but like I said, it relies almost entirely on the visuals. It doesn't have anything else going on under the surface. It has a little bit. There are like little tiny nuggets of a story or plot or characters that you can care about, but also the characters kind of... All of them, except for Dean, suck. I don't like anybody other than Dean in this. Dean is knowingly dating a 16-year-old. That is... Yeah, that's... 
So he's not he <laughs> the best guy in this is super flawed also. Watch him backtrack. I'm not defending that. <laughs> I made a note about how he willingly wanted to try and kiss a 16-year-old. Yeah, he's not he's not perfect, but he's he's got heart. He's <laughs> Yeah, you know, he, yeah, he's shitty too. <laughs> but he's the Je- best. Jesse shitty. wins. Podcast over. He's the best shitty person. So yeah, what do you have? It. Uh, seven. Oh, we're not that far off. We're not that. Far I thought off. that you really, really liked this one. I I really like it, but I think a seven is a good score. It is, but I thought you were more high on it. I think it's it's an enjoyable movie. It's one that. Sticks in my head a lot for the visuals and a lot for like kind of thinking over what some of the intentionality was behind different shots. I think, again, like I said, the cinematography and the directing is really good. And I think there's a lot to dissect there. Yeah, there is. It, it's, but I'm not going to say it's the best movie I've ever seen, but I did really enjoy it. And I do think that there's more substance to it than what you're claiming. Maybe. I don't know. There's a mountain lion. Yeah, that's... That's kind of unexpected. Kind of out of nowhere. I mean, I guess it kind of creates something there for her and Keanu. But other than that, yeah. All right. Well... What's the average? Oh, six. Oh. I I don't math. So I'm going to always go to you for the math. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start off uh, with Jesse's throat slit on a couch. This was cool. Yeah, I, I I liked it. It was a weird concept for a shoot, especially one that's meant to make up her portfolio. After having recently watched Ginger Snaps, it reminded me of their pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just death pictures. Yeah, I liked the like overly stylized makeup and wardrobe to go al- and hair to go along with it. Yeah, it was a nice, really nice, for an amateur setup, it was really nicely made. Yeah, and this is being shot by Dean, as we will find out his name is later. Yeah. The the music that is playing in the beginning kind of makes me think of like a modern take on the chopping mall theme. I can kind of hear it. It's just basically your standard synth 80s type thing. It reminded me a lot of like Stranger Things, how people... I think this was before Stranger Things, but... Especially after that came out. This was 2016, right? Yeah. Stranger Things came out in, I think, 2016 or 17. So it wouldn't or have had... Around the same It wouldn't have had an impact. After Stranger Things came out, I heard so many... Like, you know. Oh, man. Look at your... People just went with that riff and, you know, the 80 synth style real hard after that came out because it became so popular. But the music's decent in this. So anyway, after the photo shoot is over, we see Jessie go to the dressing room and she's trying to remove the fake blood and Ruby is watching her through the mirror. And this is the first instance out of like so many instances in the movie that we get a lot of shots of mirrors, like people looking at each other through mirrors. I just think that's really interesting because the the whole parallel with like modeling and fashion industry where you're a commodity you're yeah. not really a person, and you never really view a person directly. I think it's just... Yeah, I never really thought about that, but at. there is a lot of mirror shots involved in this. Yeah, it, it it's a lot throughout the whole movie. Why is 
she there? Isn't this a private thing that she's doing with Dean? Why would she be there for this? Or uh, she's a makeup artist. Where are they? It's not really said where they are. Like, I thought that they would have done something like this, and I don't know. These people don't really seem like they have money. How could they afford a studio space to do this? Um, I got the impression that Dean is just like kind of an amateur photographer. He probably rents out a small studio space. And it seems like Ruby is a little bit of a freelance makeup artist because she's kind of hopping around between different photographers and shows. She, and seems, she, works, she with. works with high profile clients, so I don't see why she would be messing around with stuff like this either. I mean, she does have a side job of working with dead people and doing their makeup. That's a real thing. I know, it is. But uh, it just it's weird to me. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, she is watching her through the mirror and is like, from the get, she's clearly into her. But she also tries to extend, like, sort of a friendly hand. I feel like... It's as much of a friendly connection as she could really hope to get because she is in a very cutthroat industry and she, the whole thesis of the movie is that this is an industry that is savage. It's dog eat dog and it's, I want you for xyz reason but it's not really about the person behind it it's all superficial yeah and that ends up becoming ruby's arc when spoiler she takes part in killing her at the end because she didn't get that romantic and sexual relationship with jesse that she was hoping for yeah it didn't seem immediate to me that she was into her i couldn't i mean maybe i'm just missing the signals but she seemed to be kind of extending of she i think she could tell well based off of the conversation just in general that she was new she had that innocent look about her so i i felt like she was genuinely trying to be helpful but i don't know she is a shitty person too so maybe her I, motives were there just you know that's she what did i'm a saying job of hiding I, it. I think it was like a genuine sense of like wanting to be a friend slash potentially more but there's also like that sense of predatory predatorialness i i do not know the english language today i'm sorry um <laughs> but like there's a very predatory sense to it because she clocks immediately that she is new in town and she invites her to a party but she's not necessarily overly friendly She's kind of leaving her to fend for herself a little bit in some instances. Well, she's uh, she's um trying to introduce her to her friends and trying to make a, a connection between them. Also, before this, she mentions that she doesn't have like her parents aren't around anymore. So I I, I know that's most likely intentionally ambiguous. Do you think that they're dead? I think so. How is she affording? going to LA on her own at 16 insurance payout you think so I think so I guess that could be like a realistic reason I buy it okay 
I buy it enough anyway. I think if there was meant to be an ambiguously maybe her parents aren't dead plot, there would be a little bit more to it. Oh, I didn't think it was. I'm, I don't think there's like any plot to it. I just wasn't sure what, because she's very vague about what it is. She just says they're not around. She says they're dead. Does she? Yeah. Well, one of the models says, hey, I heard your parents are dead. That's got to suck. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about Gigi. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and go <laughs> to that scene because. Well, that that's basically the next scene. Yeah. So after we get enough of our exposition on Jessie, by the way, her name is spelled J-E-S-S-E. That is not how my name is spelled. My name is spelled J-E-S-S-I-E. And I just want to say it. I'm not going to say that her name is spelled wrong because that's rude. I'm going to say that if you see that a person's name is spelled a certain way, spell their name that way. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah, respect it. Respect it. Especially if they send you an email and their name is spelled out in their email signature and you respond to their email with their name, don't misspell their name. (laughs) And don't do it every day for several years. No personal experience. None. None whatsoever. Um, Anyway, so so Jesse goes to this party with Ruby where she meets Sarah and Gigi and she is dressed like... A little 16-year-old from Georgia would be dressed when she's going to her first real L.A. party. Just her uh, jean skirt and her little blouse. Was it a jean skirt? Yeah. Was that a lame set, a get-up? Her outfit just screams very, I'm new to all of this, and this is what my idea of fancy dress is. That seems to be the appeal that everybody has with her, though, is how new and fresh she is. I'm just saying, the wardrobe choice was spot on for her character in this scene when they go to the bathroom together and they're trying to have a conversation with her she doesn't really make it easy she's kind of rude to them snobby yeah she really is which makes me think i mean well i mean just straight up this movie isn't about a transformation Mm -hmm. about how she becomes like this self-absorbed person she's always been like this yeah it's really more of her coming into fully using that fully recognizing that within herself i guess if that makes sense yeah she's like incredibly judgmental to Gigi yeah. about her plastic surgery yeah so Gigi is talking about uh, ruby makes a comment that Gigi just came back from the body shop where she's had lots and lots of plastic surgery we will find out exactly how much later don't worry i wrote it down so we can talk about all of it okay um and she talks about how her she says the line he, about her surgeon he calls me the bionic woman, to which Jesse replies, is that a compliment? And then all of a sudden, Gigi, who this whole time has been going, oh my God, I love your hair, is that your natural color, is that your real nose, all of that, all of a sudden she becomes incredibly catty is probably the best word I can think of for it, because she says everything still in a very nice tone, but it's way too, it's way too aggressive for it to be called passive aggressive. So catty is the word I'm going with for how she talks to Jesse for the rest of the film. Yeah. Because that's where she uh, stops the flattering. She goes, so anyway, I hear you have both dead parents. What's that like? Yeah, it's like an immediate switch. So you just know that this this rage has been seething. Don't blame her. The whole time. I, yeah, no, I mean, it was a shitty thing to say. Like, oh, is that a compliment? Like, yeah, obviously she's fucking psyched about her plastic surgery. Don't be so judgmental. You're a child. She was just so rude to her, too. She was just trying to be friendly. Like, 
I don't understand why you would be so standoffish to somebody who's trying to be friendly when you're new in town. If the whole reason you're going out to this thing in the first place is to make friends, especially in the industry. Yeah, she is really not doing herself any favors with no. this at this time. But I think that's kind of also, you know, when she says, I don't, I don't need you looking after me. I'm not as helpless as I seem. I think we kind of get that sense early on that she really isn't this fragile little thing. She is. She doesn't have it. She's all bark and no bite. She doesn't have anything to back it up. She relies entirely on her looks. She's she in doesn't any time industry. Yeah, but she she obviously was. She, okay, we'll, we'll wait until we get to that scene because it's not like long from now. But she, yeah. They go to some weird aerial show with flashing lights. Apparently, it's supposed to be like a bondage thing. I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah, here. See, this is tell. a one, this is one of the moments where I couldn't tell. So she gave her something to trip on, right? She gave her some kind of pill, didn't she? I didn't catch that. Maybe I am missing it, but I could have sworn she gave her something to try. When they were like right before they were about to walk into the show, maybe I didn't write it down because that would explain all of like the weird visuals that happen here. But like, just so much of this is just flashes of images of things, and you don't really know what's happening. And it's a super long sequence. It's uh, it's just really drawn out and so confusing. Like I kind of like it because it's her first real introduction to. Um, any kind of nightlife and it's very extreme and disorienting maybe i don't know it just i just thought it was weird i just thought it was weird that they were that they they it's not the first time that it's not the only time that it happens in this either anytime that there's some kind of event like this instead of actually outright showing it they just go for some kind of trippy light show or presentation Oh, I want to talk about that more when we get to um, some oh, well, of what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm specifically thinking of the runway show. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of, too. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. Uh, like the movie, we're going to try and stay chronological as much as we can with this discussion. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it really is. So next we see, honestly, not the worst motel room I was ever expecting to see. I really loved the gauche wallpaper. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe they have better standards over in L.A., but any motel that I've ever seen around here doesn't look anywhere near as good as this. Nope. Um, but she's getting ready for a meeting with a modeling agent, Roberta Hoffman, who gives her this whole speech about how she'll be great as long as she doesn't crack under pressure. And I don't think you look fat, but other people will think you'll look fat. And 20 and 30 girls come in here every single day and they're, they're all good and they all think that they can make it and they're from a small town. But you, you have what it takes to be great. Now have one of your dead parents sign this form. Tell everybody you're 19. People will believe what you tell them. And then we immediately cut to her like signing it herself in the motel room, which I think essentially that was... Uh, Roberta basically saying like here's a parental consent form say you're 19 like she's like I can tell like reading between the lines I can tell that your parents aren't really involved for whatever reason just come back with a signed paper and I won't ask questions yeah I also like the part where she goes out into the lobby and sees that one girl sitting there she's like 
you can go. <laughs> I mean, why waste her own time, you know? I guess she's kind of doing her a favor, but in another way, that's really harsh. Yeah, well, and she has her set up to get um, some test shots done with this uh, high-status photographer in town because her portfolio shots that Dean did were, as she called them... Amateur hour. Amateur hour. Dean comes... Speaking of Dean, Dean comes to visit her at the motel. They're going to go out on another date. Or I think this a is date. their first date. Something like that. This is when they're first getting to know each other. Yeah, and she starts uh well continues her lying to people and says that oh the photography really didn't the pictures didn't really come up in my meeting which is obviously the pictures are going to come up in your meeting for when i first saw that i was thinking she was just protecting him because she said they were amateur hour i didn't think she wanted to hurt his feelings i think she was uh planting the seeds early on that if she wanted to cut him loose she could cut him loose him yeah yeah in hindsight I Looking back now, definitely not as good intentioned as I had thought it was, but I don't know. I, I just thought my boy Dean deserved better, even though he's taking a 16 year old girl. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so they go and they're like on this cliffside, and she gives this whole little monologue about being from a small town in Georgia and the moon. Watching over her. Looking like a big eyeball in the sky. <laughs> like a big eyeball in the sky. And she would say, hey, do you see me? Um, if we're going to continue our America's Next Top model slash horror crossover, shout out to Cycle 13 winner Nicole Fox, a.k.a. Bloody Eyeball. What? Um, who, and Nicole Fox has got on to star in some horror movies. So Why is she called Bloody Eyeball? Because she was born with a bloody eyeball. That's lame. That sounds like superstition. I am 500% sure I've shown you this YouTube clip like five times. Why would I they... love it. <laughs> that, that's lame. I'm, I'm just saying. Anyway, I uh, kind of thought when she was like, the moon's like a big eyeball. I just heard Nicole Fox in my head going, bloody eyeball. I thought it was like foreshadowing for what happens later. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about her eyeball. Yeah. Yeah, so she's, uh, this is honestly, like, kind of a sad monologue, because she says that she's not really good at anything, but I'm pretty, and I can make money off of pretty, and I'm fully in support of people who want to make money with their body, because ultimately, we're all selling our bodies in some way, shape, or form when we go to work every day. You're selling your body some way, shape, or form. Selling yourself, at least. Yeah. And An aspect of yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there is... I think taking the time to appreciate beauty and aesthetics and setting up, like, an editorial shoot, thinking about all the different aspects that go into it, the creativity that's involved with it... Just there's so many different pieces that come into it. The photography, the lighting, the wardrobe, the hair, the styling. Like everything comes together to get to evoke a certain kind of emotion. And maybe it's to sell a product. Maybe it's just to sell an idea. Whatever. Anything creative. And that goes beyond this. It, it can go to writing, acting, um, making horror movies. You know, whatever. There's, it's vital. 
Art is vital. Yeah. And I think it's so sad that she's just reduced, like, all I have to offer is my looks. So that's what I'm going to do. I wonder if people just um, never gave her a chance with anything else. Maybe she had offered these other aspects of herself, but people were always so distracted about her looks that they never really gave it any attention and were just so distracted by That's entirely plausible. It happens a lot. Um, One way or another, how you look affects how people, how seriously people will take you. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, she's a pretty white girl and that there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. I'm not saying like, oh, she's had a poor life, but I don't want to like put down one person's struggles in light of another person's struggles. Yeah, maybe hers aren't as serious as some other people's. Um, So I'm not getting into a whole social and cultural discussion with it. I'm just saying like in terms of our character that we're following right here, what would her life have been like if somebody had nurtured some other side of her? Yeah. Like, she's pretty. But I wonder, like, did they cast her purely based off of her looks here? Were they trying to go for somebody like, like that brings this look to them? Uh, she doesn't... She, I'm not saying anything bad because she's very pretty, but she's not, like, amazingly pretty she's youthful which is a thing that most industries are obsessed with yeah and looking at the other people who are actual models that's what oh i more God. think they of they are like well, painfully gorgeous well, no what i'm saying is they have you have explained to me that with modeling whenever i'm looking at some of these people when you're watching america's next Top model sometimes it's more about just having weird proportions because it works better for taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I felt like these two people were just kind of weird looking. Like, nothing wrong with them. They're yeah. very pretty in their own right, too, but they have those odd proportions about them. I Especially they were so gorgeous. Uh, who's the other one that eats people? <laughs> we got Sarah. That's kind of jarring if you don't know what we're talking about here, but yeah. <laughs> She's so, she's huge. Those hallway shots of her, especially yeah, since she's wearing are heels. Tall. Yeah, but not only that, her head is tiny, but her neck is so fucking long. Yeah, and her arms like, and everything common. else. Is, it's like a praying mantis. Um, so the part originally went to Carrie Mulligan, and I'm not sure why she couldn't. The weed part. Yeah, I um, I'm not sure why she couldn't fulfill the role uh, everything i read just said it was originally carrie mulligan and then it went to ellie fanning and some stuff had to be written because there was a lot more nudity for jesse's character but um ellie fanning was only 17 during most of the filming well wouldn't it be weird to show the nudity if she's a 16 year old they kind of look similar yeah I'd- wouldn't it be weird though to do that anyways yeah, it would but make it really uncomfortable to be watching. It would watching. make it really uncomfortable as an audience, but like having an actual 16 and 17 year old there filming it is illegal. So, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. Yeah. The way they handled it was fine. Yeah, but I mean, clearly, and looking at pictures of Carrie Mulligan, clearly they were trying to have a certain type for all three of these women because they are all tall, thin, blonde. She's not tall, Ellie Fanning. She was noticeably shorter than the rest of them. I'm sure she's taller than 
like average. Maybe it's hard to tell with movies because everybody looks tall, but you find out they're like five feet. Well, let's look how tall she really is. I'm gonna guess five four. Three, two, one. I think she's taller than me. Fun fact, I'm five foot four. Give me a pause. She was actually born in Georgia. She's five nine. She's five nine. Yeah, that's model height. Well, I'll be damned. She's taller than me. Yep. <laughs> uh, where were we? We were talking. Oh yeah, her whole little monologue and bloody eyeballs and all that. She and also she, she tells Dean that her agent has told her to lie about her age, and then Dean. The photographer that has already done shoots on her. Not nude, though. Not nude, but still, he's done shoots on her. Says, well, how old are you? And she said, I just turned 16 last month. And then he starts to go, oh, okay, and, like, get back in his car. And he's like, just kidding. I'm still going to try and make out with you. Well, yeah, his immediate reaction is he kind of, like, curls up and, like, puts his head down. It's like, fuck. And then he's like, well, I'm already this far in. You know? It's like, there's already evidence we've been hanging out. I took pictures of her dead. Whatever. Uh, but she she doesn't want to make out with him when he drops her back off. So he gives her a handshake instead. Yes. Very quick. Gentleman. And Very then he's quickly. like, she's walking to her room and he runs to the side. He's like, hey, look at that moon. <laughs> <laughs> And that was enough for her to be like, hey, you want to go out again? Like, damn, that's a nice moon. Let's, let's fucking go out. But then there's a lion in her room. <laughs> I thought that it was an intruder at first, which that would have been worse. I would have I would have preferred if they had like had an, an intruder in there. That would have been, that would have upped the creepiness for me. It was kind of lame to have it just be a fucking mountain lion for why? For, so we can get Keanu Reeves in this movie. Yeah, so Keanu Reeves plays Hank, the uh, hotel manager. Stupid name for Keanu Ooh. Reeves. Like, yeah, you're gonna be <laughs> Hank today. Like, <laughs> it's like this person had something against him. It's like, yeah, let's make him Hank. <laughs> this and oh yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh Hank was originally written as this really cool, like you know, nice and supportive motel manager. But no, we got Keanu, so I'm I'm anti Keanu. I'm gonna make him this piece of shit and call him Hank now. <laughs> so anyway Hank doesn't he can't be fucked to go deal with the mountain lion until she says she's gonna call the police uh, nobody knows it's a mountain lion at this point by the way um, well she said she saw a thing she didn't say she saw a person yeah so he's like Mikey <laughs> Mikey never returns <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mikey's gone forever <laughs> Mikey, Mikey got gets, eaten yeah he gets eaten this. <laughs> I'm gonna that's like headcanon for this um and somehow the somehow the lion has uh, turned off the lights in her room yeah the light switch isn't working anymore well mostly the power because the power is just well maybe it's the power or maybe it is the light bulb i I, can't, I don't know yeah i i don't know uh <laughs> so they go up there and keanu doesn't know how keys work in locks. I like to imagine that's not a character choice. Like, it's just they're like, okay, Keanu, if you're listening, you, you ask her for the key, and then you open the door. And then he's like, what the fuck is this? It's like, what are keys? What is, what is this? What, what is am I supposed this? to do with this? Stab <laughs> the door? Are you fucking kidding me? What's my motivation? 
Just kidding. We were talking about how weird it is to see Keanu play such a piece of shit yeah. person. So and it says, "Hey, Mikey, kick it." <laughs> so Mikey kicks it. And then, okay, can we talk about the audacity of this motherfucker to charge her for a broken door that he broke because he couldn't get the key to work? That's in line with his character. <laughs> That's exactly who this guy is. Yeah. So he's decided he's going to charge her for that. He's going to charge her for the. Uh, the ripped bed sheets and curtains and everything because he's like, why did you fucking do this? And she's like, why would I wreck the room and then have you come look at the wrecked room? He's like, well, he blamed you her. on drugs? Yeah, that was before, but after the Mountain Lion is known, he blames her because she left the sliding door open. She really shouldn't be leaving the sliding door open when she's living in a motel. No. That's a good way to get all of your human belongings stolen. In a sketchy motel to begin with, because this yeah. place is not a nice place. Yeah. Other than the room somehow looking nice. Maybe that's the only redeeming part of Keanu here, but yeah, it's it's bad. Bad news. <laughs> yeah, so there's a mountain lion. That's it. That's the last of the mountain lion in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> now we go to Jesse um, having her photo shoot with the, the pretentious photographer. What's yep. his name? Jack. I didn't catch his last name. I thought it's just Jack. I thought it was Jacques because, of course, they're going to make it something. No. Jacques is like the go-to pretentious photographer name for me. Uh, no, because they talk about him later on in the movie. It's close to like, Jacques, like, at least. Jack, uh, Jack doesn't work with new models. So it's definitely Jack. Okay. Um, Ruby is the makeup artist there, and she puts some gold foil on her face and a little bit of highlighter. And then when she comes out to do the shot, he's like, take off your shoes because she's wearing Converse with a long, flowy, peasant-style dress. Um, and we're all like, yeah, that's legit. And he says, everybody leave. This is going to be a closed set. And I went, oh, no. Yeah. we know what's coming. Then this is what I'm talking about when I say, well, immediately after this, she says, I'm not as innocent as I seem or whatever or not as innocent not as helpless helpless but she's like shivering she's shaking nervous here and he has full control over her we don't know what happens no it's like and it's one of those things that she's in this situation where her whole life she's been told all she has to offer is her looks she thinks the only way that she can support herself is through modeling this is her big break right off the bat is to work with this renowned photographer and he is using his power over her. This is, is, um... is it a sexual thing for him? Is it a power thing for him? Is it just an artistic thing he wants to do, a stylistic nude shoot? We don't know because we never see it. It is weird that he insists on putting the gold body paint on yeah. her by hand. Though. I think it's implied that it's for him. Yeah. But... This is like the only character I think that is unfazed by her beauty. Everybody else kind of bends to her will. That's what I'm saying. Like he seems so single-minded in what he's wanting to do with the shoot that it leaves enough ambiguity. I definitely there's still a very icky sense, especially because Ruby is definitely trying to stay on set. Because she knows his history. Yeah. Yeah. She warns her about it as soon as she leaves. Yeah. Well, and I think especially because the way she says it, she's like, I'm good to stay if you need me to. Um, Which is interesting because it should have been the makeup artist putting on the body paint. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's interesting that he was like, no, I don't need you. Go. 
and then he's insisting like him touching her like that like we don't know how much of the body paint he put on her because ellie fanning was a child when this was being filmed so they couldn't film as much as in the original script but in the original script there was nudity so i think that there was definitely um like slathering all over the body yeah which is like it looks like he has reached down there because it's off of camera yeah. where his hands go and it goes down it's an abusive power for sure because there's no need for him to be doing that. He's got the makeup artist there that could be doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? And even if, like, this is what I had in mind for the shoot, like, there's that power imbalance, that overreach of what was his job responsibility and him not keeping for lack of a better word, an advocate on set for her, all points to ick. Yeah. This, so. this movie focuses a lot on how shitty the modeling uh -huh. industry is, and this is the, the first dose of it that you get here. Yeah. It, it and it's And it's one of those things that, like, looking at it, you're like, this isn't right, and you know it's not right, but she's in such a position that she feels like she can't say no. Right. It's, it's coercion. Yeah. So... And Ruby has, uh, this is, I think, her most genuine moment, like her most genuinely nice moment. She waited outside for her to make sure she was okay. Yeah. And then this she's is, no better. <laughs> yeah, she, she's not any better because she will go on to take advantage of her in a vulnerable moment. Yeah, she, she basically says that she doesn't think that it's a good idea for Jesse to be alone with him, which kind of too late for that. That ship has sailed a little bit. Yeah, maybe she should have. Well, if she would have spoken up back there, she would have lost her job. So it's kind of... She was in a similar situation. Yeah. And that's the whole shitty cycle. It sucks. Yep. Um, That's why I'm all for these big bus takedowns of these, like, big Hollywood people. Yeah, these people who are, yeah. like, Harvey Weinstein, who yeah. are trying to offer roles for sex. Time is motherfucking up. I'm all here for it. Yeah. Um... See, we're getting real deep with this. We're talking about real world issues here. Yeah. Uh, and then I made that noise. Uh, ah! Hey, we're doing real good here, guys. <laughs> ah! We're here to bring you the best horror analysis two amateurs can hope to bring you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, Ruby gives her her phone number. This is call me if you ever need anything. Spoiler, it's going to happen. So Yeah. Uh, Ruby goes to meet Sarah and Gigi at a cafe so they can drink water or coffee together and share a single fruit cup. And learn the lunch specials because the waitresses work so hard to memorize them. This is why I like Gigi's character. She's convinced herself that she's a real nice lady. And she's not. Yeah. Like, just don't waste my time if you're going to be doing exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And she says it right in front of the server. Like, yeah. she's like, I'm going to waste your time. <laughs> like, but she she's such an interesting character for that reason because she's like figured out, like, I'm going to sound nice and chipper all the time, but she is completely disconnected with what it actually means to be a nice person. I thought it was nice that she was the only one that was not afraid to eat. Everybody else, they kind of seemed afraid to do so. She was just eating fruit. I mean, it's something, but, you know, it's also I get the, just fruit. Uh, well, yeah, I get the impression. Well, other than 
Amber, who isn't a model. She doesn't have a watcher figure, but, you know. Who's Amber? Why did I call her Amber? Um, Ruby? Ruby, yeah. It's like, what? I'm just wondering where you came up with Amber. This whole, watching the whole thing, I thought her name was Amber, too. <laughs> Dude, Amazon gave us the names in the closed captions. Once. And then anytime I would look for her name when she was speaking, it would never show up. Ruby tells them that Jack was shooting Jesse, and they're all uh, kind of like, what, what? There's clearly some... Jack doesn't shoot new people. Yeah, they're they're clearly a little bit freaked out that this new person is coming in and seems to have enamored so many people. It's the both as it's both sides of it. So, Gigi is the one that's in denial. She's like, "Oh, this stuff happens. People like this come and go all the time. She'll be gone by next week." Um, what's the other girl's name? Sarah. And Sarah is the one that's actually like acknowledging yeah she's gonna be a fucking star she's gonna we're gonna be absolutely whatever well and i think that's a great segue into the next scene which is sarah and jesse are at the same casting call for a runway show with uh sarno i think is his name that's what i wrote down later god this guy fucking sucks i can't stand him but i thought both actresses uh ellie fanning and abby lee did such a good job conveying so much with just their facial expressions during all of this they did because sarah had like she had like this little bit of like panic on her face almost but she was trying to convey like a sense of arrogance like she was like i deserve to be here because i've been modeling but I'm scared shitless that I'm getting pushed out of the industry. I admit that I felt tension during this, which was weird. Like, it's almost, I mean, it's like any time in your life. Like, it reminded me of playing sports and wanting to get, like, the starting position whenever I was playing baseball. You, you know? don't want to admit to yourself how badly you want something and how much competition there is for it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I felt for her there, honestly. Yeah, especially, like, the guy didn't even watch her do her walk, which yeah. was so so shitty. Like, well, on, he dude. seemed like he was familiar with. I don't know if he was familiar with her or not. Um, yeah, there was kind of an oh you. Yeah. But yeah, so she she doesn't get to walk again. She's basically been told she's not going to be cast in the show. And then when like this whole time we've seen Jesse on the side, and she seems a little bit nervous, but she also mostly seems curious. Like she's just watching everything going on around her and taking it all in. She doesn't seem nearly as nervous as Sarah, who has done this so many times before. And you see, like, just, like, little twitches in her face where she's just kind of, like, kind of watching everybody else's every move. Yeah. So, I just thought that was really interesting. And the guy is immediately enamored with her, sends her for measurements straight away and all of that. She's gotten a spot in the show. Yep, immediately. Afterwards, we see Sarah is, like freaking out in the bathroom she so apparently there was going to be a pa on set that was supposed to be throwing something at the mirror to shatter it and it wasn't working and in a last ditch effort the director was like told abby lee to throw the uh trash can at the mirror and it actually shattered and that's Hmm. the shot they ended up using no that's cool Mm -hmm. so jesse goes in to check on her and this it's kind of interesting because what you said before about how Jesse knows what she's doing this whole time. Yeah. But like at the beginning she's so much more of a liar and as she becomes more of this person, she stops lying about it. 
I think it's because yeah. normally in a movie when you see a transformation from like supposedly good to supposedly evil, it becomes like it's gradual. Yeah, it's gradual, and they start doing things like lying more. Yeah, when they're when they're breaking bad, but for her, she's like just becoming more honest because she goes in here and she's talking to Sarah, and Sarah just is like, "Cut the shit, you know how everybody looks at you." And she's like, yeah, no, it rules. I don't know why she did, like, why she went in there in the first place. Did she do it to antagonize her? Uh, it's pretty a, clear why she's doing of, that. There's a little bit of mind game going on there for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sarah plays her own mind game because <laughs> she, um, Jesse cuts herself on the broken glass and then Sarah just, like, lunges for her hand and, tr- like, slurps up the blood on her wrist. Ultimate power move. It works. It's efficient. And she's like, oh, fuck. Okay, I'm, I'm, go- I'm gone. The first time we see her really, truly rattled. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, before we saw her rattled with the photo shoot. I think she was more freaked out. At the she was drinking. definitely more freaked out about that because that's somebody who's like, is she going to eat my hand? Like, <laughs> is this a vampire situation here? Spoiler alert. Yes, she is going to eat your hand. She does, yeah. We uh, briefly see Ruby going to work at the mortuary. It is... Uh, relevant later i guess is the right word yeah she's got i guess it's just to show that she has a side job yeah like she's not she's not a millionaire off of working as a makeup artist even if she was working with high uh profile clients yeah dean goes to visit jesse she's trying to clean her hand um he has brought her flowers which is kind of sweet but also ew she's 16 and you know it you know now that she is 16 and she is living alone in the city and you are pursuing her romantically ew yeah i wonder if he well he's less cap like caught up in her beauty than everybody else but i think to an extent he still is yeah because he can't help himself even though he knows that she's that young. Stop trying to defend him. I'm not defending him. He's I'm not still def- trying to break into the same industry too. He's still in that denial phase of what really happens once you get to a certain stage in it. If he wanted to if he wanted to do that, he would have stood up to the or to the other dude. He would have played along. That I'm that's what I'm saying. He's still in that denial phase of what really goes on. Uh, I don't know. I think. Okay, how about we talk about that yeah, during we'll, that we'll scene? Talk about it okay. Uh, so anyway, she passes out because she's been bleeding this whole time, and um, Abby's saliva didn't coagulate the blood. So yeah. And then he goes and pays Hank. Keanu. Hank, yeah, just call him Hank. <laughs> uh, he goes and he pays Hank for what is supposedly owed. So I think she's subtly using him too to try and get it all yeah. taken care of. And meanwhile, she's having nightmare on Elm Street type dreams. Um, yeah, where something's yeah, pressing the, through. Pressing through the wall yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, then we go to the fashion show. They're backstage. Uh, Gigi is there. And Gigi's like, uh, oh, well, you must be fucking Sarno. And Jesse's like, I'm not really his type. And she's like, well, you are kind of masculine. She's yeah. like, she, catty as fuck. I don't mind it because um, Jesse's asking for it because she's being a bitch, right? To her in the first place. She, it could have been a nice friendly relationship, but no, Jesse chose to be like, oh, a, <laughs> being a bionic person is like a cool thing, I guess. Yes. Oh, I guess masculine. Like, that's cool too, I guess. That's a compliment. <laughs> but uh, Gigi says that she doesn't have to go to the casting. She's like, I'm sure you had to go to casting. I didn't. I just get to come in and choose what I want to wear. 
Um, and, which is clearly not true because then Sarno has sent somebody back there to get Jesse because he's decided that she's going to close, which means she gets like the big finale piece. Like it, it's a spot of honor. So, okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So what's the point of these shows? Is it, because I guess you were kind of talking about earlier how this can also be like something to sell, but it can also be art. Was our runway shows mostly about trying to sell the apparel that is designed or is it a like a piece of art that everybody just comes to enjoy both usually um, what is it more of it really depends so you can have like avant-garde type things which are really more like visual aesthetic type of things and a lot of times things that are on runway are a little bit more done up than you would see in terms of ready-to-wear fashion but a lot of designers are also putting out ready-to-wear fashion and a lot of those things are kind of tied into what's in the runway shows so this was one of those right because he talks about designing clothes for people to buy later and i mean you can see avant-garde in real life too i mean um just think lady gaga you know yeah but that's kind of an extreme but that's not extreme yeah, nobody's going to buy avant-garde. No casual person. But that's... Yeah, so it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Okay. Fashion fashion is art, you know? Yeah. Another and, thing about this whole scene, though, is it's it's so much, again, style over substance because we don't even really get a runway scene. We just get a bunch of flashing lights and just people standing still and kissing mirror reflections of themselves. Yeah, well, because this isn't... This is the substance. It isn't about her being a model. It's about what's going on inside of her. So we don't see the spectacle of the fashion show. We don't get to see her doing what it is that she said she supposedly came out to LA to do. We see her going deep inside of herself. We see that infatuation with herself. It's not even her that she's looking at, is it? She's kissing herself in the mirror, yeah. I couldn't even tell that was her. It looked like a completely different person. I think that's part of the point, is she's starting to transform. Like, really... This is that moment where she's like, okay, I've made it. I'm hot shit. Maybe. I'm not buying it. I feel like it was just he wanted to make... Maybe there is something deep down to it, but it didn't really come across that way to me. It just seemed like a lot of the, the shots on this, everything looks nice, but it's so drawn out. Everything about this movie moves slowly. And it almost seems like they're kind of jerking themselves off to the cinematography. Like, yeah, this looks so fucking good. Pan the camera so fucking slow. You're going to deliver your lines, but say everything so slowly. And then space everything out so far. It moves so slow. And it just, I don't know. They just seem to like indulge themselves way too much with the aesthetic and rather than actually giving something to I mean couldn't you argue that that's kind of a commentary on the fashion industry I don't know I mean like getting overly excited about the aesthetic of things and missing you know the stuff underneath I suppose it could be do you think that's what he was going for I don't know what he was going for I specifically tried not to read too much of like what his intention was with the film so that way we could talk about it a little bit more organically in our own interpretations oh well I mean I guess it could be the point but it didn't come across that way to me because if it were a lot of stuff like this throughout this is like the last time we get anything like this I think um everything else though is just slow drawn out 
I did forget to mention this is where I had my list of all of the surgery that oh yeah Gigi has done, which comes up because after the show we see them uh, Gigi, Jesse, Dean, and some unnamed person have all gone out to drinks with Sarno. It's the person that's doing the casting with uh, him. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, still unnamed person. She was originally just going to go down a cup size. That way she'd look more like a hanger. Common thing that's said about models that they're they're hangers for clothing. What does that mean? Like I thought she meant like her breasts were hanging. No, like you put the clothing on the model's body. It's meant to be a hanger. Like you just display the clothing. Oh, okay. But while she was there, the doctor found a bunch of things that they could work on, including shaving her jaw, giving her an eyebrow lift, and her an outer lipo, and pinned her ear backs. Ear, pinned her ears back so that way she could wear ponytails. Doesn't make any sense. I think it means that like her ears kind of were sticking out before, and so when you put up a ponytail, it's really obvious they're sticking out. So she got them like oh. pinned back. Okay. So while they're at drinks, they're talking. It's like the after party. Yeah, kind of an after party type of thing, and he's shit talking plastic surgery, and Gigi, of course, is getting defensive. So. He pulls Dean over, and he's like, hey, look at Gigi. What do you think of her? And Dean, who's on a date with a girl. <laughs> like, Sarno was setting Gigi up for failure in this moment. E- either Gigi or Dean was being set up for failure in this moment. It well, was There was no way everybody was going to win here. <laughs> you can acknowledge that somebody's pretty. He could say, yeah, she's pretty. She's fine. Well, she, I mean, he said he she's said fine. She's fine. But he but he's it's like he they have to drag it out of him. He's like, what do you think of her? Uh uh she's oh, fine, I guess. She's here. Dean's like real country. Uh <laughs> she's fine, I guess. And then Sarno just starts comparing her to Jesse and says, uh, beauty is the truest currency, and Dean's like, um, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that at all. And uh, he says this, like, uh, line, beauty isn't everything, it's the only thing. Sarno says that. Yeah, Dean thinks everything, it's what is inside that matters. And Dean, uh, he's mocked for thinking so. And then he tries to and tell Jesse. And Jesse basically dumps him. Yeah, well, he tries to tell Jesse, he's like, let's get out of here. And she says, well, if you want to go, then go. Fucking bitch. That's what I said. She was, she was ready to cut him loose at any moment she needed to, and... I think in her mind, she was like, well, I gave him a chance to talk to this uh, big hotshot fashion designer, and he blew it, and I'm not going to blow it for myself. Yeah. that's. I think that's what was going on in her brain. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, why Dean is like, yeah, he's dating a 16-year-old. We're going to set that aside. Even Are we? No, that's Should a, we? That's egregious. I'm not going to defend that, but... Every compared to everybody else here, he at least has he he's not as superficial about things. Like he acknowledges that these people are shitty and he doesn't want to be associated with them anymore. And he's able to walk away. He tries to give her a second chance because he's waiting for her whenever she's coming back to the motel and like asks her, Is this who you want to be? And she says, No, they want to be me. She's not entirely wrong. She's not. But uh, so she she goes up to her room and has a dream about Hank breaking into her room and sticking his knife in her mouth. And it's um, the scene starts off like I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because yeah. I forgot that it was a dream. 
and it like the knife just starts going deeper and deeper and then i was like okay this is clearly not real that's like a sword swallowing thing made well not at that point if her head is like right there so <laughs> never mind it would have been yeah yeah facing her head yeah, but she wakes up and the door is actually like seriously starting to be opened and she goes and locks the deadbolt. Why is this fucking girl not closing doors when she leaves her hotel room? Not locking it when she goes to bed at night. She's I, from Georgia and apparently from Georgia you don't lock your doors. I don't fucking understand, dude. Is this meant to be ambiguous? Like do we so we're not meant to know whether or not this is actually Hank or not, right? But it's assumed that it is. Yeah, I think we're just kind of assuming it's Hank because he's shitty and he, he was talking talks about the girl so from much about yeah, the Lolita type shit in two fourteen. Two fourteen, gotta be seen. That was a Keanu improv. Thirteen years. Thirteen years old. He knows she's thirteen. I'm assuming that he also knows that Jesse is sixteen. Is this would that be her room that he went to? Some some houses or some places like that are spaced apart. Like where we lived last time, it was one hundred and one, and then went to one hundred and three. Like I, none of the numbers on our fucking cul-de-sac make sense. So I'm gonna assume that it's we're meant to think that it's two fourteen is next to her. That's what that I it's thought a too. Yeah. So anyway, this sends Jesse into a panic, and she calls Ruby because uh, that's the only bridge she hasn't completely burnt so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Ruby invites her to stay with her, and she said, now here's where I'm wondering how honest Ruby's being. She says that she is house-sitting, so like water the plants and shit. And that just seems, like I know sometimes people will house-sit, like when there's not a lot that needs to be taken care of, but the person will just be like, just stay, you know, keep an eye on the place. Like I know that that's a real thing. I just don't fully trust Ruby. No, I mean, you're right to not trust her. She... I mean, with something like that, yeah, but deep down, she has other motives here because Jesse is confiding to her about just, well, she's singing to her, calling her a great person, and um, Ruby is brushing her hair, like comforting her. Ruby is brushing her wet, curly hair with a hairbrush, and that's not how you take proper care of curly hair. Don't think she gave a fuck. She was looking for her entrance. Well, and I'm going to say that in the next scene, it's the worst that Ellie Fanning's hair looks in the entire movie. And I fully blame it on Ruby. Do my after it dries? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. That's not, that's not proper, proper hair care for curly hair. Really, even if you've got like not curly hair, <clears throat> just running a brush through it while it's wet is not the best idea. Yeah. So... No, I, I wrote that in all caps because I was so annoyed by it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it Jesse's freaked out and Ruby's doing the whole like good friend thing. And so far at this point, like I've kind of gotten over the whole like, is she being predatory? No, I don't think. I think she really is just trying to be a good friend. And then she immediately makes me regret thinking that well, she is just trying to be a good friend because Jesse and here's. I want to say this very carefully because I don't want to say that she was. So Jesse's thanking her for being really nice to her. And she says, you're a good person. And Ruby's like, you know, everybody needs a friend. And then Jesse says, no, I'm trying to say you're like, yeah, special. Like, and to me, if I was interested in somebody and I tried to play off like, well, everybody needs a friend. And they were like, no, that's not what I mean. To me, that's like, okay, yeah, I'm into you. Yeah, like, I That's would th- entirely, I, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, it, 
I think it's clear that that's kind of what they were doing here too. They were trying to make it seem like she was doing that. But then when Ruby starts trying to kiss her, <laughs> as you would if you had an opening like that. Not here, only that, she's like rubbing her thighs and stuff. Well, yeah. So she tries to kiss her and she starts running her hand up her thigh. And then Jesse says, no. And then this is where I take a hard turn on Ruby because Ruby keeps pushing her. And Jesse's like, no, no, no. I've never done the sex at all period she I lied don't... earlier in the movie saying that she did it all the time when they were asking back at yeah, the club which at the nobody, start dude nobody that has sex is like yeah i do it all the time some people do but they I just never are believed, trying to impress I never you yeah you, that say yeah that. exactly <laughs> um but yeah like so she kicks her off the bed which i think is fair because ruby was sexually assaulting her so it should have been obvious <laughs> from the get-go too because ruby dressed up for the occasion after being woken up in the middle of the night like she went and like put on a nice dress and put on like, her hair and makeup and everything it should have been I, I i was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt like because she did seem like she was just trying to be nice and then she took the opening and then she went way past where is okay like yeah i could see her going in for a kiss after that moment but hand on the thigh pushing her down on the bed trying to stick your hand Straddling her dress. Her. yeah like yeah. all of that no none of that's cool yeah I'm not okay with any yep. of it attempted rape right there yes um but obviously we know that now ruby is like jesse's in a position where the only place she has to stay is in this house with the person that she just literally kicked out of bed yep um so and it's a horror movie so we know something allegedly None of what has happened at this point. It's atmospheric, bro. Um, oh, yeah, and Ruby's pissed, and she uh, fucking destroys some lipstick on a mirror. That's, I guess, what you do. Yeah, like, I've got a mixture of high-end and drugstore lipstick. I can't imagine putting any of them on the mirror, and I suspect even if she is not, like, I, I, even if she's working 500 jobs, she's probably got some decently expensive lipstick since this is her. Well, do we even know if profession. this is her lipstick? Because she's at somebody else's house. I don't know. She she mentioned Black Honey earlier in the film, and that's Clinique. That's, oh, this that's one, a high end lipstick. That reminds me um, about how they were naming the lipsticks, and <laughs> it reminded me about my name that I came up when we were at uh, like Ulta that one time. Because she mentioned about how they're always like about food or sex, and that's what sells. And I remember mine was make him nut. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good lipstick name, I think, you know? Because, I mean, so, they're so, like, they're just like, yeah, like, sex, sex, sex. And then, but it's kind of hidden. Just outright say it. Just make him nut. It's going to sell. Free advice for anybody that does that. I think all of mine are stuff like Galaxy, Jet Set, I wrote down the ones that she, or I've two got, of them. I've got one that's like, um, like it literally has the word goth in it. Okay. Well, so the two that she listed were. I don't do food or sex. <laughs> she listed plum passion and red rum, which is obviously also murder, but you know. Um, I'm pretty sure there actually is a red lipstick called red rum. No, but I'm sure it is. It is. It is. The one I'm thinking of is made by a brand that I will not support because it's a. Brand. Okay. If you know, you know. Anyways, ninety uh, percent of our listeners are male, so I don't know how many of them know. They know. Some might know. I'm sure they know. Um, 
I'm gonna men. call her Amber again. What's her name? Ruby. Ruby. Ruby takes out her sexual frustrations on a corpse. Yeah. Okay. So this scene is weird that it's even like. So the script just had her kissing. That's all corpse. it was. Yeah, and Jenna Malone uh, decided she was gonna molest the corpse too. I'm assuming this was like an actual person there too, right? I don't know. That would be say. super awkward. Like, yeah, just kiss her, and she's like, "No, I'm gonna fuck her." You're like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was super weird. Yeah, Uncomfortable. It is. Yeah. They've yes. never actually seen a movie go full on like Necrophilia. we're gonna show the straight up fucking of a dead body here. Yeah, it it went there. Yep. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's all we need to say about that. We've talked a lot about sexual assault yeah and stuff let's move so, on yeah i'm yeah i'm i'm out of the ability to talk about that anymore tonight um so meanwhile jesse's at the house dousing herself in glitter which is what makes me think that this is um ruby's makeup is at the house because of like the type of glitter that's there for her to be dousing because it seems like an old person house yeah. Um, it's like by a mansion. The way, by the way, this is the same mansion. This is the Paramore Estate, <laughs> and it's the same mansion where they filmed Scream 3. Oh, wow. I yeah. can see it. Yeah. Interesting. So, fun fact. Huh. <laughs> it goes by a couple different names. Paramore Estate is one of them. But, yeah. Where am I at? Yeah, so she's dousing herself with glitter, stealing clothing, doing this whole, like, haunted lady of the night. I'm going to go stand on the edge of a diving board over an empty pool um fucking pretentious as fuck she was like i want to die a beautiful death i like i don't know what was going through her head while she's doing i i like randomly do my hair and makeup and dress up just to be around the house but i don't stand on a she's just indulging herself for somebody to come be like hey what's that how long do you think she was standing on the diving i don't think she was waiting i don't think she was waiting for her i think she was just indulging herself like she's super into herself now. Everybody's validated everything that she thinks about herself. She's just standing there talking about how everybody wants to be as pretty as she can be and nobody can achieve it. And they just try to be like a second grade version of herself. And then um, Ruby, Ruby just is like smiling because she knows what's about to go down. Yeah, she has brought Sarah and Gigi there. She's like, you know what? We're going to smoke this bitch. So what happened here when... Um, Jesse walks in and she sees Gigi and then she starts to walk the other way and then Sarah jumps out and punches her. She actually punched her. Did she? Yeah. I was going to say Talia jumped big time <laughs> whenever that happened. Like that got Talia good. Yeah. No, it was an actual like in, in was the it filming. intentional? No, it was like, I guess they were just doing their own stunts and it wasn't as well coordinated since everything was kind of somewhat improvised on set. Okay. So she actually got punched and they used that shot. Which honestly, like if I was filming something and I got punched in the process, I'd be like, did you get that on fucking film? Use that. Like, I can get punched for nothing. So, yeah, they do the whole chase thing. She's, you know, they're going at her with knives and stuff. This is the fastest part of the entire thing. And they still manage to draw this shit out and make it as slow as possible. Because she like they she goes back outside and she's standing by the empty pool and Ruby pushes her into the pool she falls down she's dead, but everything after that is just like them just slowly walking and them just slowly walking up to her and 
like I think it adds like another like two minutes just of them like walking up to the corpse. It's I don't know like this is the most excited and ramped up the movie gets and then it just stops like okay we're gonna slow it back down this wasn't fun well i think that's kind of the whole thing though because somebody comes in they're a hot commodity it's a flash and then as soon as they're done everybody goes on and forgets about it and they go back to the way things were status quo once more so we had that like ramped up moment of excitement and then she's dead and it's like okay we're gonna go back to the pace we were at like it never happened Mm. except they're bathing in her blood yeah and they ate her yeah, they ate her, which we find out. Um, so Ruby uh, Ruby decides to water the plants topless afterwards. Tatted up, surprisingly. I didn't yeah, expect she, it. She's got her tatted, nips yeah. tatted. Oh. Be, yeah, got her. They're black. Um, she lays in the grave. <laughs> then she lays in front of an open window in the moonlight as blood pours out from underneath her. Um, you were walking around. You went to the I went bathroom, to the bathroom or something. Doing yeah. That. yeah. Then we go to Sarah and Gigi. Sarah has driven Gigi to a photo shoot. She's just gonna hang out for a little bit. And the other model that's on the photo shoot is talking about how her girlfriend hasn't gotten a job in like months, and I need to tell her to just give up because nobody wants a twenty-one-year-old. And hairstylist is like, try, try 20. twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so they're very on the nose with this, and. uh she looks over at Sarah and she's like, have you ever had anybody steal a job from underneath her? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, what'd you do? And she goes, I ate her. And goes, ha, ew. Yeah. So like she really did. Gross. She really did. And we find out that she really truly did because. Um, so, I don't think we would have doubted it since she tried to eat her hand in the bathroom earlier. Yeah. Well, Jack comes in. Well, at first, like you could almost think maybe they just drank her blood because of that. Like they're bathing in her blood. She tried to drink the blood earlier. You know, there was a grave. But Jack comes in, sees Sarah on the couch, fires Annie and pulls her in to shoot with uh, Gigi. Except Gigi's freaking out because she's looking at the pool and I guess she's thinking of like the murder they committed what and all that. And then she goes and she throws up an eyeball and Sarah uncompassionately stares down at her as she's like sobbing and she's like I need to get her out of me which like I'm kind of uncompassionate too because you killed an eight a 16 year old you should feel bad why would you cut yourself open she needed to get her out of her no just stupid I don't I I understand living with like the like with remorse for it but to the point that where you're like actually going to cut yourself open I think um, I think Gigi and Jesse's deaths were like a little bit symbolic of their character because like so Jesse's pulled into pushed into the deep end of the pool, and she had you know chosen a very like shallow job for very shallow reasons you know, mm-hmm. and then um, Gigi dies by like literally cutting herself open, and her whole thing has been like all of the plastic surgery and all of that. Okay. So symbolic deaths. And, do you uh, think? Do you Sarah think that they, we got to talk about this. Well, okay. Sarah reaches down and picks up the eyeball that Gigi apparently swallowed whole without chewing because she has thrown it up whole. Texture issue. Do what? A texture issue. Some people do that because oh. they can't. Yeah, I, I would imagine the texture of an eyeball would I be unpleasant. thought you said text her a shoe, and I was like, what? <laughs> I guess she does text her a shoe because she stabbed. Oh, I know she doesn't. Never mind. What am I thinking? But yeah, so she just... Uh, 
pops that eyeball in, swallows it. Swallows it whole. Yep. And that's how the movie ends. So what, why do you think that she was eating her? Do you think it was because she wanted to be them? Or she wanted to be Jesse? Is yeah. that a part of it? Yeah, I think she was like trying to absorb the essence of Jesse or whatever. Like yeah. absorb her youth. So literally, she's not an actual cannibal. Literally the town ate her alive. You know what I mean? Like this place is gonna eat you up. Yeah. You know what they say to like little girls like her to go to a big city to yeah. pursue their modeling dreams. She so, had it common. I didn't feel sorry for her at all. Damn. She was a terrible person. If she would have witnessed something like that, she would have been like, okay, cool. Whatever. All right. I don't well, care. here's my cue to say what I always say and that all teenagers are terrible always. Well, in this case, the fashion industry is just terrible. Also true. The, and it, it it's one of those things that it doesn't have to be that way, but it is. And it sucks. So. Yeah. After we've talked about it, sir, how do you, how do you land? Uh. I guess it's not necessarily as shallow as I thought it was. I didn't really think of some of the things that you brought to the table, some of the hidden meanings of some of the things that happened. But I do think that the pacing is kind of off. Like whenever we pause it at the end of the movie and you're like, oh my God, I thought this movie was almost over. We're already at the final scene where um, she's already dead yeah. and they're at the photo shoot. Yeah, that was like 20 photo minutes. Shoot is a 20 minute scene and it so didn't have to be. It moves. This is what I'm talking about. Everybody moves so slowly and the camera pans so slow. It's just, we didn't need all of that. We didn't need so much of a lot of this stuff. I would have preferred somebody rein this director in and be like, we need to cut a lot of this shit and get this movie moving because it, like, it's just, it's slow. And, yeah, it looks nice, but I don't know. There's not much of a story. It doesn't, it just kind of lacks any drive to it. The whole thing is basically about her and how, I guess, the industry, I don't know how she reacts to it or how the industry reacts to her. Both. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It wasn't bad. It was better than I remembered. And yeah, I don't know. So if I'm going to rate it, I'll bump it up to a six. That's so interesting because I'm going to bump mine down to a six because when you started talking about the pacing at the end, I, I remembered me saying, oh my God, there's still 20 minutes left. So yeah. We're, we're, our average stayed the same. Okay. I can live with that. What about Talia? Okay, so Talia scratched at three minutes and 30 seconds. As she does. Um, which, you know, if we're going to talk about pacing, that the credits were still, the opening credits were still going on. Exactly. <laughs> um, Yo, look how fucking awesome these credits are. Mm. <laughs> um, and then she came back in and she went to play with her toys and she was like, look how fucking strong I am. I'm going to whip my toy around. Look at that shit. Mm. And then she laid on the couch and was asleep until uh, Ellie Fanning got punched in the face. And she then, went back to sleep after that. But... And then she went back to sleep. And then you got up to go to the bathroom. And she was like, mm, okay, I guess, we were, guess we're doing this. Because every time Travis pees, she's like, hey. This is when we noticed. I need to pee. Yeah, this is when we noticed that there was 20 minutes left at the yeah. end. And it was like, okay, yeah, we need to take her. So I think, uh, I think Talia is very middle of the road on this. Five. Yeah. Okay. Because she, she appreciated the high points. She appreciated the punch. That's, <laughs> that's about it. 
Okay. So what is something, what is one significant rewrite you would make that would get you to bump up your score at least one more point? Uh, I would give, um, I would give like an actual plot. Um, I would give some of the characters more to do. Like what? G- give me something. Give me a specific example. Mm, okay. I, well, I didn't really think of any plot improvements. Um, I don't know. Just, uh, have something to go along with the visuals. The visuals are so good. It's a beautiful movie, but I just want there to be a clear story, and it didn't. It just kind of felt like segments. Okay. Um. Maybe just get like I feel like this was the director's cut of a movie, and like if somebody was able to edit it, I don't know if somebody other than the director edited it or not, but like somebody needed to take control and just get this thing down maybe maybe there is more of a story there like i i'm acknowledging there is more of a story than i had originally thought but maybe it's lost on me because of how long it takes for certain plot points to come up because each scene lasts so long and it doesn't really each scene itself is kind of shallow like not a lot really happens other than at the end when they kill her but i don't know just just trim it down, tighten it up. Yeah, just do that. And I think I would enjoy it a little bit more. Okay. What about you? I don't have to give an improvement. I was on the pro side. Oh, well, what would be your dream sequel? Okay, so my dream sequel. So we follow Sarah in the dream sequel, right? Um, only she's decided to go full cannibals. So we're going to see her like stalking new models and she's like finding a way to eat them. And she's gradually, like, it, it's almost like, um, like a little bit, little shop of horrors okay. kind of in a way. And maybe we do, maybe we have music. <laughs> maybe we have music. <laughs> so revolutionary for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> the way you said that. And maybe we have music. Like, oh my god, it's such a radical idea. I can't believe nobody thought about that before. <laughs> like, make it a horror musical. Okay, yeah. That, <laughs> That's where I, I was could, going with that. Okay, I could see that. That would be fun. I would like that sequel. Yeah. I would actually really enjoy that sequel. That would be <laughs> such a hard turn from the way that this one was. It would be nice. Um, Who did you relate to? Unfortunately, Dean, the fucking <laughs> child predator. Everybody else sucks. I don't relate to anybody else. At least he's like got some kindness to him and he's not a super shallow person. He dumped her whenever he realized that she was a shitty person. He could have just she dumped put him. up with it. Yeah, but he tried to go back and then he didn't really fight. Like he didn't put up a fight for it. He dodged a bullet. <laughs> what about you? Um I'm gonna say I relate to Mikey. Because I, too, have been traumatized by trying to get angry cats out of a room they're not supposed to be in. Do you grab a bat? Um, well, when we moved, I was trying to round up the cats. And at one point, your bat was, like, in the room. It's a plastic like, bat, yeah, by the way. It's a plastic <laughs> bat. I wasn't... I, now, I didn't hit them with it. It was just, you know, there and they're messing around with stuff. And I was trying to get them into their carriers so we could go from the apartment to the house. And they weren't having it. And it was a whole thing. So. Okay. I too have been. Oh, and I've been traumatized by um, fucked up doors. 
So maybe you would relate to Hank more no! in this one because <laughs> no, Hank don't know how to open no doors. I'm not gonna sit here and talk about no little Lita shit. Fuck that. Thirteen gotta be seen. That's not what the line is. Two fourteen. You made it. You made the line worse I somehow. Did. <laughs> <laughs> you took one of the skeeziest parts of the movie and made it worse. <laughs> I wanted to be clear. I do not condone underage relationships or anything predatory like that. I don't condone anything that Dean did with that with her with her being a sixteen year old. I don't condone the thirteen year old. No. He doesn't condone thirteen year olds. No. Just in general. Yep. <laughs> Thirteen and sixteen. Fuck off. I think we've uh, established that we're firmly anti-teenager on this podcast. Unless you listen, then you're. Yeah, cool. I was gonna say that's probably why we only like three percent of our listeners are from that age range because we're like fuck teenagers. Yeah. Well, I say the same thing when I talk about myself when I was a teenager. Yeah, I was gonna say a lot of teenagers also say fuck teenagers because yeah. I kind of felt the same way. Yep. So that's it for this week. Next week, we are talking Friday, Friday the 13th. That will be part five, A New Beginning. We'll be talking about candy bars a lot. Um, a little bit. At least a little. That's a, that's a cool scene, though. I yeah. fucking love that scene. That's really the only scene I know from it. So oh, There's a lot of good be, scenes. It's going to be a foray. So. It's not a bad one. So in the meantime, if you want to follow us on social media, you totally should. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at least favorite scary movie podcast. You can find us on Twitter at least fave pod. That is a fun chaotic mess because we both tweet from it and we never specify which one of us is tweeting unless it's like inherently relevant to the story. Yeah. Um, so I think most of our friends on Twitter that we interact with have come to enjoy the chaos and just ride along with us. Yeah. Um, you can also follow Travis if you like our artwork. You can find him on group on Instagram at groovycommy or on on Twitter at Tramwall. You can fight with him on our Twitter too if you want to give us a low rating. Don't do it where ratings actually count. Just do it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, send us tweet hate mail, but send us love letters so, via rating sites. We give shout outs for any good rating that we get and I'll give you a shout out if you call me out on Twitter. I want to be called out. Please do so. <laughs> I'm looking for a fight. Please don't call me out. I'm sensitive. Do it to our podcast, so don't call me out. Or do it to both. I don't care. I'll fucking fight you both <laughs> ways. Um, you can also find Talia on Instagram, and I'll tell you what. I posted a real cute picture of her getting her belly screeched. It was cute. She smiles a lot. She She's does. A good girl. She's a good girl. Um, that's it. That's it. That's it. Thanks for joining us, folks. All right. See y'all. Bye. ready <laughs> oh come on do something uh, from uh america's sex top model you want to be on top welcome to what's your least favorite scary movie the god damn it travis no that was good that was good do it again do it again yeah.